Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. Walt and I have been looking at the scriptures and talking about the life of Moses. You know, he is mentioned in 31 books of the Bible. That that was astonishing to me when, when I looked that up and found in almost 800 references to his name. Now, sometimes it's his name, Moses. Other times it refers to the law of Moses, but it is a reference to that man, to the ministry. And what we are seeing in these weeks of our study and our focus on him is that there are certainly many twists, many turns in his life journey. This man was born into a Hebrew home. He had parents who were both from the tribe of Levi. As a baby, he was found floating in a small basket boat in the Nile River. He was discovered and then adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, in fact, was raised and educated in the best Egyptian schools. However, at age 40, when he thought it was time to step in and help his people of Israel, Moses made a poor decision and he acted wrongly. He killed an Egyptian and buried the man in the sand. In fact, in Acts 7, Stephen's speech, beginning in verse 26, Moses comes out the following day of having killed a man, and he comes across two Hebrews who are fighting each other, and he tried to reconcile them to peace and said to them, men, your brothers, why are you injuring each other? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Well, at this remark, Moses then fled. He became a stranger in the land of Midian. And when we go back to the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures to Exodus 2, beginning in verse 16, as he comes into the land of Midian, he's wandered, and he actually comes to uh, a well where there were troughs to feed, to water the sheep. And here came seven daughters, seven shepherdesses, right? And they were coming to water the flock of their father. And usually the shepherds, the males, men shepherds would come and they would drive the women away. They would force them away from the water. But Moses stood up for them and he saved them. And in fact, he even watered their flock, which that was something while you and I talked about was how did all of this occur? Women usually would draw the water and, um, and here Moses actually offered to water the flocks, but he drove away these other shepherds. Yeah, and shepherds in this uh, society at this time, they're out in the wilderness. They're, they're known as ruffians. Uh, they're not very well uh, educated, and 
They're tough, but they're no match for one single Egyptian because this isn't just any ordinary Egyptian. Moses had all the training that was available, including military training and self-defense with the best army in the world at that time, the Egyptian army. And so someone that's trained like that, it doesn't matter how rough um, the other folks are, he's trained. And But not only is he powerful and he's trained, he's also kind that he watered the flocks. He, he went above and beyond. Not only did he drive off the shepherds and, and take care of these seven daughters, he then took the next step and said, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to, I'm going to water right. the flocks. And, you know, and then these daughters, they get home and their dad says, how come you got home so early today? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like this has happened many times before. Yeah. And, and they're just, they're back earlier than usual. So they, you know, they, they said an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of these shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he, and the, the father looks at his daughters and he's like, well, where is he? Why have you left this man? Go, go get him that he can cut. It, it's that Middle Eastern hospitality. You know, we need to pay good for good, right? Yeah, but it's that and more. I mean, this is a warrior and this is a man that's been able to take care of these shepherds. He would be very welcomed in the, into the tent there in Midian. And um, I mean, Midian, again, is a, this is modern day Saudi Arabia. You have to cross the Sinai Peninsula and go into modern day southern Saudi Arabia. Um, Midian is a, is, is a very dry, uh, very hot, very um, struggling to just even have grass and raise sheep. And Moses, it even says there then in the scripture that Moses was content to dwell with the man. Well, yeah, he's found a place to stay, right? A place where he can work and he can belong. And this man from the land of Midian gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah, and she actually gave birth two sons. But we're told here in this text that the name of his first son, he named Gershom. And he said, for I have been a sojourner in a foreign country. And that name Gershom in Hebrew, similar, has a similar sounding to the word meaning sojourn or foreigner. Um, and so that name has a meaning for Moses. He knows that he is a foreigner in this land. Well, he has fled. He had to flee from Egypt, flee for his life to Midian. He offers this kindness. He meets Jethro, the priest of Midian. He now has a wife. And important lesson here. God is teaching Moses. You know, he taught him for 40 years, right, in the house of Pharaoh in Egypt. He had academic training. He had military training. He was brought up to be a leader in Pharaoh's court. But now he has some very important lessons to learn. How to lead with patience. Could he be a gentle shepherd? Yeah, and this man, Moses, he was called by God, but his journey was long and filled with some mundane work, just looking after sheep in the Midianite wilderness and, and raising a family, just the normal stuff of life in many ways, far different from being a prince in the courts of Egypt. Um, 
And again, it's not easy work to shepherd flocks. You and I both, where there was a family where Brenda and I grew up, the Clarks, and they had um, sheep. And we would go out there and we would see the sheep and we'd help them sometimes uh, when it was time for the sheep to give birth in the spring. And one, one of the things you realize is sheep is, it's hard work. You've got to, you've got to lead them to water. It sounds like I'm going to quote the 23rd Psalm, but you've got to get them to green pastures and you've got to have the water be still. Well, there during the many days that he's in Egypt, um, Exodus 2 verses 23 and following says that the king that was there in Egypt died. So this is the king that would have been there, um, when Moses was there and the people, of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out. And, and we were talking, this is important to look at the, these verbs. They, they groaned, and they cried out, and their cry was for rescue from slavery, and it came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And then I love this, verse 25 of Exodus 2, God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And and that word, God knew, he's hearing the groanings, and they're crying out, um, and God remembered his covenant, and he saw the people, and God knew. And that's an important word. Actually, it's not just um, any kind of knowledge. It's not like knowing facts. It's a personal intimate knowledge. Actually, it's used in the book of Genesis uh, uh, that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived a child. That it, it's that kind of intimate knowledge. Well, this is a point where I, I, I want to give a, a head to heart. We'd like to do that. We don't only want to just think about this in our head, but we want to talk about how that this impacts your heart and then how you live it out through your hands. You know, the head, the heart, and the hands. How often do we wonder if God's really watching? Um, is he working? Does he really hear our cries and our prayers? And these three verses in Exodus 2 remind us, that yes, God hears, that yes, God sees, that God knew exactly what was happening. And God's preparing their leader for years, for 40 years now. Um, he's been gone. But, but even when it doesn't seem like God is actively working, we need to remember that he is working, but it's in his time, not our time. And it's according to his sovereign plan, not our plans. Well, continuing on into Exodus chapter 3, Moses is keeping the flocks of Jethro, his his um, father-in-law, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And this is important. I don't think we've talked about the angel of the Lord um, yet in any of our podcasts, but the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out in the midst of a, of a bush. And you'd say, oh, an angel. But then listen, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. The angel of the Lord was was there at the bush. God called him out of the bush. God was there. And so this isn't just any angel. This angel of the Lord is also called God there. Um, and he says, Moses, Moses, and here I am. And he said, don't come near, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. And so this, uh, this angel, this angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate visit um, of Jesus. That, that this is, he's been the eternal son of God. He 
takes on this form of an angel, um, bright and shining and, and, and light, and he comes and he interacts with Moses. Um, again, we know 40 years have passed. Now he's 80 years old, according to Acts 7.30. And the angel appears to him in the wilderness there, um, and they're in the flame of a burning thorn bush, uh, but the bush isn't concerned. These, this is a pivotal moment in Israel's history. This is a pivotal moment in Moses' history. It could be because he is going to be this late leader. Um, he's reminded, again, the voice of the Lord calls out, Moses, Moses, I've got work for you to do. And then Moses was afraid. What, what is it like to, to talk to God, to be right in his very presence? Well, as we continue on in Exodus, the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in, in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And God will, but God's going to use a man, a flawed man, not a perfect man, but a man that he's been preparing now for 80 years, 40 years there in the courts of Pharaoh, now 40 years in the Midianite wilderness, learning how to take care of sheep and get them to water. And then he's going to have 40 years where he, he takes care of human sheep, <laughs> sheeple. He takes care of a nation. And yeah. I, I love this again. For I know that your descendants will be strangers in a country. This this is a, a, a um, this is a, a Bible verse out of Genesis when God spoke to Abraham and He said, "I know your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they'll be enslaved and mistreated for four hundred years." Does God know? Does God care? Is God going to get involved? But Abraham was told, I will punish, by God, I will punish this nation that they serve as slaves. And afterwards, they, my people, will come out of this nation with great possessions. And I think this is a place to to restate. God has seen the affliction of his people. Um, God has heard their cry. God knows intimately their sufferings, deeply. He knows what's going on, and I've come down to deliver them. I just love those phrases that are found in this part of the story of Moses. Yeah, and and well, even as you share that, I mean, really should stir in our hearts to recognize it, realize wherever we might find ourselves, yes, we do have a God who sees. We have a God who hears, a God who knows, and understanding that that he is doing his work according to his sovereign plan. And, and that's, that's sometimes just the hardest part for yeah. us as humans, right? Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, when do we want it? We want it in a microwave minute, right? I right. mean, we just, we don't have the time. We don't, we don't want to wait for it. But God is doing his work, a promise for future their deliverance. And he said, he'll do it. He said, I want to bring them out of that land to a land that will be flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And then these words that God says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you, you Moses will bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, here God speaks with Moses, and this is the first of many conversations God and Moses will have. God has a call. He has a call and a specific purpose for Moses to fulfill. 
After 80 years of life, of education, and practical experience, God says, come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, while you and I just talked earlier today in this that, you know, Yes, the Pharaoh who was alive when Moses fled is now gone, but who keeps the records? You know, who who remembers that he actually is a murderer of an Egyptian? And, you know, there's fear there, you know, going, oh, sure. going back into Pharaoh's courts. And God says, but I will be with you, and this shall be a sign that I've sent you. You have brought the people of Egypt. You will serve God on this mountain. Well, Moses objects to God's call. He's He has a lot of questions. And here, again, is a head to heart for me. What are my objections to God's call, to his leading, to, to where he's calling me in my life? How do you respond when the Lord is calling you, guiding you, maybe convicting your heart, my heart of sin, wrong actions, of hurtful words? How do I respond? How do you respond? You know, our response to the Lord should always be in obedience to trust him and to know that he is holy, righteous, sovereign, and faithful, that that I would humble myself and that you would humble yourself and say, yes, Lord, where you lead me, you will provide and you will make it happen. And yeah, Moses has said, who am I to do this? But it's not who am I that he should concentrate on, it's who is God? And continuing on in the story, he writes, um, If I come to the people of Israel, Moses says, and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And again, God takes his time and he answers Moses' question graciously. Uh, God tells him, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then say to this people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Again, this name, I am, this is is, is forever. And thus I will be remembered through all generations. And then Moses is told to gather, he's going to gather the, the elders of Israel. He's going to explain this to them. And he's going to, he's going to lead them out. I've observed you, what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt. As we get to this place, um, Acts 7, Stephen summarizes this, the one whom God sent to be both ruler and deliverer. Remember the, the slaves when they were, he was abusing? Who made you a ruler? God made him. God had a plan. In his time, in the Lord's time, not in Moses's. And with the help of this angel of the Lord, um, he, God called Moses. God sent Moses. And the angel of the Lord appeared in this bush and reminded him, I'm going to deliver my people through you. And Moses was called the one whom God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer. And just as we close today, are you walking in the midst of a trial, a really tough time? I, I, you know, I can only imagine where some might find themselves today. Are you facing some hard decisions or choices? 
maybe you're in a difficult situation or you're working with some hard people, difficult people to work with. Psalm 33, 20 and 21 reminds us our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Friends, God sees, you know, God hears your prayers and every cry that you cry out to him, that you are saying to him, he hears every word. He sees your tears. The truth for us to focus on this week, God has said, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings. (laughs) And I have come down to deliver them. Friends, until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.